This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again, this time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. A big shout to Gymshark, who are our sponsors for tonight's show. Gymshark were actually formed in a garage back in 2012 and have since emerged as a leading brand in the fitness industry with a worldwide clientele of over 15 million people in over 150 countries. They work with multiple creators and athletes such as Ross Edgley, Ryan Garcia, Katie Taylor, Whitney Simmons, Matt Does Fitness and Obi Vincent to name a few. Their website is www.gymshark.com forward slash the West Ham way and there you will find a range of top quality clothing for your sports and fitness needs. I've been having a crack at some running recently and these guys have provided me with a really comfortable tracksuit that looks good and feels good. But with over a thousand products, whatever your needs are, they will be catered for by Gymshark with quality and comfort guaranteed. I'll give you that website again. Go and check these guys out www.gymshark forward slash the West Ham way. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Good evening and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and serial YTK blogger, XWHU employee. The football season is back and so is the emotional torment of being a West Ham fan. Tonight we reflect on the two games that have taken place since last week and discuss the genuine possibility of relegation. X will be giving us exclusive news and views before we answer questions from our collective followers on social media. That's all coming up on tonight's show. There was a lot of speculation ahead of West Ham coming back. Are the boys fit? Are they up for it? Are they going to play better or worse without fans? I think we've had the answers. What did you make of what you've seen over the past week? Um, I think it's been really poor. Um, I think we've been lacking any real fight. I think there's been too many players that have put half-hearted performances in. Um, I think there's too many players that aren't re- aren't suitable for a relegation battle. Um, you know, you look at the Tottenham game and we were doing okay, I think, up until they scored the... Um, 
goal which shouldn't have been but typically with us after that moment we just absolutely capitulated in terms of effort and commitment uh, certain players Anderson being the, the main one for me uh, not really putting in the fight or effort that's required and mm. just some poor poor tactical decisions as well like you know I got a lot of stick for saying it was 4-4-2 against Wolves and that was what we were meant to set out as but you know people can see that I've got the team right what 250 times in a row now <laughs> um, and every time I get the team it's set out as a formation um, with the on a, on a piece of paper which is distributed amongst the coaches and the and the players and so on um, and every other time it's been right um, and every other time things like Rice being in midfield like he was against Spurs and that sort of stuff are confirmed um, but people wanted to tell me I was wrong when I said it was 4-4-2 even though that was what was on the paper with Anderson and Antonio up front, I wasn't actually wrong because if you look back, the formation was meant to be that. If you watch Anderson from the start, he starts the centre circle. He's always in the middle to start with and then he drifts out. The problem with the formation was is that the players that were selected for that formation didn't know how to play it. And if they didn't know how to play it, or if they did know how to play it, sorry, it was they didn't play it very well. And therefore, if you've got the fact that when I did a poll, I had 45% say that it wasn't 442 and 55 say it was even if it had been the other way around 55 saying it was 45 say it wasn't shows the utter confusion with our tactics as well i think yeah. the whole the whole thing is a bit of a shambles at the moment from top to bottom oh, 100% i mean you would have thought those three months would have been a good time for reflection good time to get fit good time to prepare yourself for a fight that we shouldn't be in and just naively, I think like most West Ham fans, you just wanted to see us coming out roaring, didn't you? Mm. Um, as soon as we kicked off against Wolves, it was just same old West Ham. Same old West Ham. But firstly, what I want to say is, when your captain comes out and says, I quote, we're going to lose games because of the teams we're playing, you know you're in trouble. And yeah. that quote was closely followed by one from David Moyes saying how he fully expects this relegation battle to go to the last day against Villa. Mm. I mean, it's it's just, it, it blew my mind when I read them quotes. I can't believe the negativity and pessimism that's coming from what should be the most inspirational people at the club. 100%, mate. I mean, the, the thing is, when you're a leader, you've got to inspire others to want to go into battle with you and support what you're doing and be motivated by you. Yes, um, and in this scenario, I, I think there's there's no leadership, both on the pitch and off the pitch. And even if you're talking about the leadership on the pitch, Noble's shown he doesn't say the right things like in that scenario. And then you look at the fact that he is... a um, alongside Declan maybe the only leaders we actually technically have you know mm. you, you look around and there's not that you know that if you listen to the game I know you've got the option to put the the sort of mumbled sound effects on or um listen without sound I actually tried listening without sound um and without the crowd effects against um Tottenham and it's really really interesting to actually be able to hear what the players are saying or what they're not saying and to me it really stood out quite clearly that our players do not talk to each other enough they do not shout they do not motivate each other it was just it's just dead and and like you say those comments from your captain and your manager just I don't know what they hope to achieve by that you know even if they think that it's going to go down to the last game of the season at least end it by saying but I hope we won't be in that position or something not 
not just that. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I love Mark Noble, and it, you almost have to put out that disclaimer before you say anything negative about him because it's such a taboo subject to talk about Mark on or off the field because ultimately he is, he is one of us. Yeah. Um, but do you know what? I haven't been impressed with him on the pitch either. No, no. You know, I, he's, his leadership has lacked and I think he's been poor. I think he's been one of our poorest players. Yeah, I agree. And I think actually if Wilshire is fit, now I know he hasn't played for consistently, well, for years now, but certainly played consistently for West Ham. I um I would play Wilshire over Noble now. I think Wilshire offers more. Um he, if we if Wilshire can get anywhere near the player he was at his peak, sadly I'm not sure that he can, but but at the moment it's got to be worth a try over Noble. I agree, you know, I've been one of Noble's biggest defenders over the years, but I agree with you. I don't think his performances have been up to standard at the moment. Um I think, you know, even if you could select him which you can't at the moment because they're not legible. But even someone like Connor Coventry might add more energy to that central midfield than than what Noble is at the moment. I mean, I think it's very hard to pick out any players apart from one or two that have actually performed well in both games. It seems to me like Nobes has almost got one eye on retirement now. You know when, I don't know, like Mark's been through a lot with West Ham. He's pretty much seen it all. And I think it's just taken its toll. And I think at the age of 33, it's catching up with him. And I'm not sure how much hunger and fight he's got left to give. I'm certainly not really seeing much of it on the pitch, that's for sure. Well, do you know what? I think I think he probably has got the hunger and fight, but I just don't think his body is necessarily able to to match what his mind is saying at times mm. because he, do, he does just look very slow. I mean, he's always been quite slow as, like, uh, uh, as a player, but he just looks very slow at the moment and like lacking in energy. And, you know, he, he has been poor. Usually when you play Spurs, that's the game you can count on him to perform in. Um, and he didn't. Uh, and, and I think, unfortunately, you could say that for pretty much every player. I mean, really, out of the two games, who could you say that's played well? Rice has played well in both games. Um, mm. I think Bowen played well against Tottenham. I think you couldn't, you couldn't, whilst Antonio's not showing the quality needed, he's showing the work rate. And I mm. guess you, and I guess you couldn't criticize Fabianski for any of the goals. But other than that, I mean, re- so realistically, the only player that has really stood out in the last two games is Rice and that's been one of them well in two different positions because we're so desperate. Yeah I make you right David Moyes uh, in Mm. my opinion should have been sacked after the Tottenham game because it's clear that nothing's changed he obviously can't motivate his players there never seems to be a clear game plan no intensity to our play whatsoever he's a dinosaur I think he's tactically inept and I saw an interesting stat today which I think says it all about his in-game management or lack of it did you know that out of the 20 managers in the Premier League he's 19th for the most amount of subs made this season yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And, fact... and, and and this is a losing team. You know, it's yeah. not as if, yeah. you know, we're, we're top of the league and, and the boys that we're sending out every week are smashing it. This yeah. is a team that needs to be making regular substitutions to try and change the dog shit show that we're putting on. And, well, the... and it's just not doing it. Well, the fact we can make five subs now and each time he's only making like, one or two um, just shows, and I agree. And, and whenever he makes the changes, they never make us any better. You know, he brought on Anderson and Lanzini. Lanzini was 
slightly better than Anderson, but Anderson was appalling. He was bottling challenges. He wasn't mm. getting stuck in. You know, this is a, a £40 million game changer that's been in the Brazilian squad and uh, boss Serie A and was a very good player for us at times last year. He's coming on and he looks like he doesn't want to be there. Now, I, I don't think you can carry people like that in a relegation battle. No. Um, and and the, fact that, the fact that he was dropped from the Tottenham game, and I'm Sorry to heart. I know I sound like a broken record, but it does it does frustrate me a bit when people, you know, say that they trust me for my news. Yet then, when I'm telling them something which is factual, as a bit of news, they tell me I'm wrong because that opinion's different. But. Anderson was not put in the team against Tottenham because the manager was so unhappy with how he had failed to follow instructions against Wolves um, and because he didn't stick to his, his position. And, and the manager, if you listen back to that game, is screaming at him from the sidelines repeatedly, get central, play off Antonio, go down the middle, blah, 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 blah. And he just didn't know how to do it. And, mate, we're talking about a professional footballer here that's on that's on over around about 150. 50 grand a week. I mean, he's not on that much, but it's near enough. And he and he can't play in a formation slightly different to what he's used to. I mean, where do we get these players from? You know, like you've got to really, really question the recruitment here. Like, oh, yeah. like you, you. It, it, I think I can't remember who it was, but someone put a good analogy that you literally throw a load of. I think it might have been um, Nicky actually from Fan TV, but you throw you throw a load of um, exciting things into a food box and you pull out random bits here and there to make a meal. You know, you might love your chicken curry and your roast dinner, but it don't go together. And it's like that. You know, there's no strategy for our system and our formation. And, you know, uh, like we, we de- the fact that we've got into a season with, what, with two forwards by definition, neither of which had played in the Premier League before, um, and we sold from the summer, Anatovic, Carroll, Hernandez and Pires, and we brought in um, two players that have not ever played in the the Premier League, one of which they clearly don't rate because they'd rather stick midfielders up front over him and he doesn't ever get a chance. So the only one we've got left is Alaire and Bobby Zamora was spot on with what he said yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but he's just basically reiterated what I've been saying all season. And this is, again, you cannot spend £45 million on a forward and then say, oh, the reason he's not performing is because the play- we don't have the players for him. If that's the case, you shouldn't have bought him. You should have bought a player for the players that we do have. You know, mm. it's just it's just so simple. Mm. Yeah, I understand. And, you know, the Ajeti situation is frustrating because maybe he isn't good enough. Maybe they're right. But then why go out and fucking sign him? I mean, what did we pay him? 12 million or something like that? Something like I that, mean, mate. You know, I don't know what he's like in training. He must be horrendous. But I haven't really seen him get a run out in the first team to make my own assumptions of how good he is. And obviously, you know, we go back to David Moyes and his man management and what some of his decisions must do to the players psychologically. I mean, you've said yourself that the reason Balbuena didn't start against Wolves was because he doesn't fancy him. So you're taking Declan out of his best position, which is crucial to us, and dropping him in centre-half. And again, he was fantastic at centre-half. You can put him in goal, he'd be the best player on the pitch. But by Mm. doing that, you're sacrificing that strength in midfield. But then against Tottenham, he starts Balbuena. So does, does he rate him or does he not? I don't get it. 
we should have signed some forward in some capacity because like you say if he doesn't rate a jetty uh, then you know West Ham you know West Ham cannot go a season without having injured players the fact that we've got we've had three months off and we come back and we had um, Ogbonna out Alaire out Snodgrass out Maseraka out you know that's four players that are out injured without even kicking a ball you know mm. so you know that you're you know that if you go in into a Premier League season with one forward technically you, you're not going to ever survive the whole season without him being injured and he's injured now just at the crucial time when we need him now he is expected to be back for the Chelsea game he was touch and go for the Spurs game but now so much of our survival hopes rest on his shoulder purely because he's the only forward that we have that w- that will be played as a forward and is a natural forward now Bobby Zamora went out and said something I've said since I don't know, November on this podcast, been slaughtered for it for so long. But he said he spoke to the players and they don't think he's physically... he's physical enough for the fight and he's physical enough to play as the lone striker. Now I, and I have said that Now I don't think that is because physique physically or if I'm losing all the words here, but he isn't because he's six foot three, you know, he's quite a strong lad. He's got a bit of pace. I don't think he's got the mentality for it. He reminds me a little bit of a Freddie Canute, you know, Freddie Canute on his day technically was very good alongside Paolo Di Canio. Um, but he is, he isn't the man that people that we need in this situation. But the problem is now he is our most important player and we have got to get behind him and back him and hope that he can prove me and a lot of the other doubters wrong and score the goals to keep us up. But one thing I would do, and this is also based upon the same people that have said to me that um, Hilaire is not good enough, is that apparently Alexander Silva has been banging them in in training um, and apparently looking really, really good in training. Now, he is a forward. There is absolutely nothing to lose now than playing this fella. You know, mm. what's the worst that can happen? He's going to come in and not score and be rubbish. Well, then he'll be the same as everyone else that's played up front on the mm. plus side if he comes in as that young raw talent unpredictable you know the opposition won't know about him and he can come in and score the goals that fella elevates himself from being a pretty much a nobody to a club hero give the guy one or two games and let's see how he does because there's nothing else to lose now up front uh, i'll make you right i make you right. And it's interesting to hear that about him performing well in training because I didn't know that. And uh, mm. I'm still excited to see him play because I've heard nothing but good things about him, including at under-23 level, pretty much scoring more goals and games he's playing. So Well, he played against right. he played against Birmingham, I think it was, in the Cup. I mean, I've definitely seen him play one game. I, I think it was the Cup game against Birmingham. And I thought he looked quite good in that game, like a year or so ago now. Obviously, he had quite a serious injury, which has taken him out for the majority of the season. But, but he's, what, 21? one is he now 22 what's the point of ever signing these players if you're not going to play them now when you've got no other option yeah yeah absolutely spot on however um in relation to Hilaire um I think it's fair to say I've, I've always had his back now you can put up arguments left right and center as to why he hasn't scored the goals and that has been frustrating on Bobby's point about him possibly not being psychologically strong and, and that's the point that you're backing up. I, I can and see physically that. as well. <laughs> yeah, I'd see that I struggle with that one a little bit because I I've been a big 
admirer of his hold-up play since he's been at West Ham. I haven't seen him score the goals, but I've seen his hold-up play be quite impressive. Yeah, I think I think he's all right on that outside of the box. But but a forwards, uh, unless you've got other people running off him, which we don't have, there's no there's no yeah. point in that. I, what frustrates me is when we're putting balls into the box and the defenders are just bullying him out of the way. That that's what I mean by physical presence, and and it's not even physical presence in the sense that you're pushing people out of the way. It's a physical presence in the sense that you've got that determination, that mindset that you're going to stick your head in where it hurts and and you're going to get to the this ball regardless of what's in your way. You know, like I'm talking like a Didier Drogba. I know they're not the same type of player, but that sort of mentality or a John Terry or, you know, and I think a bit in a relegation battle now, he we need him to start doing this. I, I believe... It, the form of him is crucial to whether we stay up or not. Yeah, but how many balls are we putting in the box, Eggs? Yeah, okay, we're not putting that many balls in the box, but we are. Uh, we haven't these last two games, but we have done in the past, and I have just we? I, in the past there's been balls into the box, definitely. But I it's think just service has been absolutely dog shit. Oh and yeah, that's the, part of the, my argument for him. I, I, I think you know we're, we're talking, we're almost talking as if the service has been there for him and he's not putting it away. Oh, no, no, no. I, I think it's a combination of two things. I do think the service hasn't been good enough because I don't think half the team, or more than that, four-fifths of the team have performed anywhere near the standards they should have this season. So, yes, there is an argument. He's not getting the service. But again, Anoutovic, right, was playing with the same players. And I know I know it's a form thing. And obviously, we were a bit better when we had Anoutovic, but we weren't that much better. Um, but Anoutovic was that much better better than Allaire, that he created chances, he scored goals, and he and he wasn't physically any bigger than than Allaire. He just had a more of a fight in his personality. So he used to create opportunities, even though he wasn't getting the service, he'd create them for himself. Um, and I don't think the team's changed that much since then. We've still got Anderson, we've still got Lanzini. You know, right, we haven't got four, we didn't have four nails then, but in theory, we should be better for having four nails. Um, there's no no one that's left West Ham since we've had an out of itch that has been more creative than what they are now. It's just yeah. that an out of itch creates that created those opportunities himself as well. Yeah, but the, their form has left them. Yeah, it has. Physically left West Ham. I mean, you, you've just called two players there who, in their peak and, and what we fell in love with, should have been absolutely key to West Ham, Anderson and Lanzini. They're, 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 the pair of them are ghosts. They don't do anything for West Ham. They're a waste of space. They're a waste of bench space. They but, shouldn't even play. Anderson, I don't even want to see him in a West Ham shirt again. Lanzini, Christ only knows what's happened to him since he was good, because now then, he's dog shit. But if these players are what you're relying on to give you that service and put these balls in the box that I don't believe exist, you're not getting off to the best of starts, are you? Well, no, you're not. But the same people that um, that will defend Allaire to the hill and say that he's not getting the service, etc., are the same people that defend Anderson to the hill. So what is it? You know, is it Allaire? Is it Anderson? Is it neither? What is the problem? But you watch on Twitter, it's always, admittedly, it's people who, who I think base a lot of their opinions upon stats and FIFA rather than what actually goes on in the pitch. But what I'm also saying as well is that I do think potentially Allaire has 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 
like the abilities to be good. I don't think his left foot's very good, but I think potentially he has um, the ability to score goals. Yes, he needs better service, but he also needs to create those opportunities for himself as well. You know, and I want to see him harrying the defenders. I want to see him, you know, going for balls that he doesn't have a chance of winning. I just want to see him making his mark, not the layer that I seem to remember just sort of, yes, holding up the odd ball here and there, but just need more from him, mate. We spent £45 million on this player, you know, like yes, it might not be his fault that he can't deliver for £45 million, but it just shows what the whole problem is. We spent £45 million on him and £40 million on Anderson. That's a combined total of £85 million on two players that I don't think deliver mm. near, nowhere near what they should do. And there's so much wrong with the the whole recruitment of this club, you know, really as much as I think Fennell's has potential and I, I don't want to dig him out as well. Cause I sound like I'm going on at everyone now, but Fennell's has missed two very good opportunities now in two games. Mm. Did we need another Fennell's type player when we had Lanzini, when we had Anderson, when we have um, some of the younger players, we needed a forward and we needed a box to box midfielder. We kind of have got that a little bit in Suchet now, but it's still, why did we, why did we sign for nails when it was other positions that we needed more of, really? And if we did sign for nails, why did we not then sell Lanzini or Anderson and try and bring in a position that we needed more? The whole, what I'm trying to get is, is that recruitment is just so, so wrong at the moment. And I think it's dated because we rely on David Sullivan trusted agents to provide us with players so if there's a player that's not in the the agent pool of certain agents that he's like we won't sign them yeah i agree with your the, the latter part of your point there where you were saying about you know we should have been selling anderson and lanzini and then reinvesting that money back in i think that's what we should have done um i think the argument of did we need another four nails when we got lanzini well we did because lanzini shit so i think you're, you're almost you're, you're supplementing the, um, the the complete disappearance of Lanzini. In well, you respect. get rid of him, mate. We, we, 100%. Uh, mate, listen, mm. I've been I've been calling that with Lanzini for as long as I can remember. I mean, it, th- this is part of the problem, and this is my argument in relation to what you were saying with Olnotovic. There are players that have performed for West Ham that when they did collectively as a group, we were getting results. Those players have now stopped performing. Aaron Creswell is so slow, it's painful. He also doesn't get forward like he used to get forward. He used to deliver some balls in the box. He used to come up with the odd goal. Aaron Creswell is falling below average for a Premier League player, in my opinion now. So he's on the left. Then you've got Philippe Anderson. Fucking don't get me started on him. Like I said earlier, I I don't even want to see him in a West Ham shirt again. Fucking prima donna who's just nicked a, 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 a wager for West Ham. Unbelievable. Lanzini, once upon a time, he was everything to West Ham. The fans adored him. He's been missing for two years now. So straight away, you know... Some of that direct line into your striker doesn't exist anymore. And I know what you're saying about you have to look hungry, you have to be on your toes, you have to get in amongst the defenders. But as a lone striker, sometimes coming up against a back three or, uh, or, or a back four, when you've got no support, there's only so much you can do in relation to create your own chances. And if the team are performing well... I mean, we've had some standout performances this season. Not many. I think we've only won seven games. But if you look at Watford, for example, Watford away, we played really well in that game. And it's no coincidence that Hilaire also played really well in that game. 
So it's like, yes, is is your last line of attack. So if you're not getting it right from the goalkeeper moving forwards, your last man is always going to struggle. It's like a relay race, right? If 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 one, two, and three are slower than everyone else, the number four ain't going to win you the race. You collectively, as a team, need to pull together and perform to allow that solitary soul striker to get an end of chances that at the moment we're not creating. And that's why I think you do make some very good points. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I, I can't help but feel sorry for him. Yeah, and you're like most people. I think the jury is, well, let's say most. So you're like a lot of people. I think the jury is still out on whether Ale is any good or not. And I do maintain, yes, it's not like he's getting hundreds of chances and he's not taking them, which is the obvious ultimate way you judge a striker on. I do understand what you're saying. And I'm not writing him off just yet because I've already called it. This man has the potential to basically save our season here or save us from going down anyway. When he comes back, which is hopefully against Chelsea, we need to see from him some big, big performances. Yes, he has to get the services, but he can can make those players play better. He can, by being in positions, by shouting at them, by making runs, by giving them options, by coming deep and collecting the ball and holding it up and laying it off to them, he can automatically raise the game of those players. Such is the importance of a striker, particularly in a 4-5-1 formation, if we go with that. Although I think he plays better as 4-4-2 but you look at any other club you know the value of Harry Kane to Tottenham of Aguero to Man City of you know all the, you look at all these clubs they've all got a forward that is so important with a, with a bloody good midfield sitting behind them they have but the reason that you can they chop and change those midfielders whereas Harry Kane Tottenham will not let go or Man City his Aguero's been out there for what 10 years that these clubs won't let these forwards go is because they know the importance of having a top, top quality forward like that can automatically raise the game of any team. You look at any team that's ever been successful in anything, they have a good striker. They do. You so, don't. So why is it then that Zaza, who's represented his country God knows how many times, has played at the highest level in Serie A, scored goals for fun throughout his entire career, comes to West Ham, couldn't score in a brothel, leaves West Ham, goes to Valencia, starts banging him in again? Yeah, I, you know, yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, the, yeah, it is a fair point, but then I don't think Zaza was ready. It was aside for the Premier League. It's the, it's also the forwards that we're recruiting here. Zaza never played in the Premier League again. He, I don't think his career has been hugely successful since West Ham. Yes, he did score for a period after us, but I'm not quite sure what he's up to now. But there's no striker, really, that West Ham have bought that have gone on and left us and then been amazing elsewhere, other than the obvious ones like Jermaine Defoe 20 years ago now, whatever it was, but there's no forward that we've had in recent years that has left us. And, and we thought, oh gosh, look, if only we'd given them the service, then um, then look how good they could have been. Perez is one, I guess, that you could use. I think he's gone and scored quite a few goals since leaving West Ham in Spain. Mm. But what, what I'm trying to say is we need to sign the right forwards. You, you know, yes, it's all for fair. You know, you can't blame Alaire for not fitting into the system, but... So the bottom line is we've just got to get a forward that does or if you if you think Alain needs different players to be this system then we need to sign them we signed Bowen is Bowen someone that's going to make Alain play better you know is playing 
4-4-2 going to make him play better? Whatever it is, we need Allaire to start delivering what a £45 million forward should do. Whether that is his fault or what, you'd have to change everything to try to make him perform because we have no one else. So whatever we've got to do now going forward, whether it's playing a formation we've not played before, playing players that we've not played before, whatever it is, you have to get the best out of Allaire. You can't keep saying he's not got the right service or he's not got the right players. or We have to make him have that. Otherwise, we're just going to go down. We don't have a forward that scores goals. He's the only one that potentially could. Unless, like I said, you give Alexander Silver a game and he proves to be... Like have the potential. I, I I can't I can't be budged on this, mate. Honestly, I really feel that a striker without service is going to give you nothing. Uh, you know what? I honestly believe you could put probably most Premier League strikers in West Ham's team at the moment, and they're not going to score what they're scoring now. Yeah, I mean, I... look at look at Johnny Artson. It's that season he scored twenty six goals. He wouldn't have got them without Al Berkovich sitting behind him. No, but the, but then again, what I'm I'm not saying that, mate. What I'm saying is, if that is the case, and you're right, he's not getting the service. Then we bloody need to do everything we can to give him that service. Then exactly, you can't, exactly. Yeah. you can't, you can't, you can't keep saying oh, he's not getting the service. He's not got the right players around him. We have to do what we can. So that isn't an excuse. Now, of course, I'd much rather, in some ways, West Ham fans can all sit there and agree that Alaire is not is not a top player because he's getting the service and he's scoring goals and he's not scoring goals. But at the moment there is that slight, that argument that he isn't getting the service, but I don't know. We've got to just start doing everything we can, mate. Honestly, this is just, this season is just turning into an absolute disaster. If I, if I was Moyes, I would, if Alaire is fit enough, I would play him against Chelsea and I'd play him up top with Alexander Silva now or a Jetty. But I'm going to go with Alexander Silva because there's obviously something not right with a Jetty. So I'm going to say you go 4-4-2 and you play him there and you ask Calaire if he's as good as holding up the ball as you say he is and others say he is, he'll hold the ball up, he'll play the ball through for Alexander Silva and he'll be running on to through balls and you stick maybe Bowen on one flank and I don't know, Antonio or four hours on the other and then you have Rice and Wilshire or Rice or Suchek in central and then you and then you take it from there but yeah. you, you got you got to try something now because whatever the case is we're pretty much gone all season now saying Alain's not getting the service you can't keep saying that we have to do something to get in the service and what that is i don't know and then we'll see whether he's as good as people think he is well the problem is mate we, we can't do something because we're relying on these players to do it for us so david moyes even if david moyes gives some strict instructions and works with them all week on the training field the problem is their heads have gone they, yeah. they don't care about West Ham. They don't want to be at West Ham. Philip no. Anderson, he doesn't give a shit. Psychologically, it's either his attitude or the fact that his head has just completely gone. And with him, I've noticed that when no one knew who he was and he was an unknown entity, he was enjoying his football. And that's when he would deliver the incredible performances that we saw from him. As soon as he started performing and doing good things, the crowd's expectation grew of him and every week he would have an expectation and he couldn't live up to it because he didn't like it he didn't like the pressure and ever since then his confidence is shot to shit and when I see him get the ball all I see him want to do is is give it back 
and and he he wants to be anywhere but that football pitch at that given time. So he's he's a waste of space. Lanzini is exactly the same. I don't know if it's he's never recovered from his injury, but he's he's just a different player now. Aaron Creswell is a completely different player now. Um, and this is why I think you know you look at the wings and they're, they're pretty non-existent. And I, that's why I think formation-wise we should probably give Alaire as much support as possible by playing the central three, which I would have as Declan Rice, Mark Noble, and and Fournells, and then go with maybe a Silva or or an Antonio Hilaire and Bowen. You play you play Noble over like Suchek or Wilshire. Oh, yeah, no, sorry, yeah. Um, Suchek possibly over Noble because I, th- I, th- I just think he's massively out of form. Wilshire, no. maybe, but I've just given up on him as well. He's just a crock. I think the right thing for him to do would be re- to retire. He, he can't stay fit for longer than a week. Suchek over Noble, yeah, I think quite possibly. So, yeah, I agree with you. But, but we, like I said, we have to start doing this soon because there's this excuse that there's no service. I know it's us that say we can't physically change the team. But when I say we have to start doing it soon, the club have to start recognising that he is the only forward that anyone's prepared to trust at the moment. So we have to do what we can to get the best out of him. And I want to see him saying to David Moyes, saying to West Ham fans, I am as good as you think you are. I am or whatever I am as good as 45 million suggests I've got the service now I'm going to get onto balls I'm going to work hard and I'm going to fight for this club that's what I want to see and if he does that I'll hold my hands up and I'll admit I was wrong but I want I need to start seeing that from him now I want to see him if he as soon as he's back in against Chelsea even if we're still 4-5-1 and he's the lone striker at the bare minimum I want to see him challenging for balls running at the centre backs mm-hmm. hustling them fighting shouting at the, the opposition go go mad at the wingers if he's these players if if what you're saying is true these players are making him look like a flop so if that was me i would be absolutely livid with them so i want to see him going up to anderson or whoever it is that's been picked and saying fucking go down the wing take it on and play it into me i want to see him showing some fight but at the moment i i don't know whether that's who he is so we'll put yeah. on yeah, but then see the trouble is, uh, you know, it's, it, that also comes down to personalities, doesn't it? And if he's not that sort of person to shout, rant, and rave, you're never going to get that out of him. He's a, he's what, a, he's a goal, before he joins West Ham, he's a goal scorer. That's what he is. That's that's what the whole of Europe believed him to be. That's why the Bundesliga had him as one of the best strikers in the country. So he's he's there to put chances away. And if those chances come and he don't put them away, I will be stand side by side with you and say you were right. He he ain't cut out for West Ham or the Premier League. But until I see him get those chances and start missing them um, and doing more harm than good, then I've got to say that you've you've got to create goals to score goals. I mean, I think in the last two games, someone said on Twitter today, I'm sure we've had something like four shots on target in two games. You know, the reason we're having those shots on target is because we're not creating opportunities to have shots on goal. And if we are, they're from fucking 40 yards away that are ending up in a different postcode. Mm. I know, I know, I know what you're saying, definitely. But I mean, you know, I've just, I've just sort of loaded up his career, and yeah, his goal scoring is a bit hit and miss. I mean, when he was at Orcs there two, which I assume was their B team, he pretty much had a goal every two games. And then when he joined their main senior team, it was six goals in 50 appearances. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty dreadful for a forward. Um, uh, in, in the French League, then he joined Utrecht in Holland, scored 11 goals in 
17 games on loan and then 30 out of 65, which is a good record. Yeah, um, I give that. But that is the Dutch league, which isn't the strongest. And then he got 24 out of 60 at Eitai and Frankfurt, which is which is good. But then he had Jovic and um, the other fella that went to Milan alongside him. Um, so, yes, he's obviously able to play better. But we're talking like world-class players alongside him. If, again, that is what he needs to perform well, well, most players are going to perform better with world-class players. I'd score the odd goal if I had Messi and Ronaldo either side of me. Um, if he's got those players either side of him, he will score goals. But he's it, but he signed for West Ham. And I know that's not his fault. So I'm not directly saying, Sebastian Allaire, this is your fault. I think it's his fault when he doesn't show fight and determination. But I'm saying to the whole hierarchy at West Ham, is this the right guy for us? And it, and like again, what what why can we not get these things right? Why for the last however many years since the last year at the Bolin have we continuously signed players that don't work? I think under Moy, under Golden Sullivan, I can't remember the exact stats, but we signed about forty strikers, of which <laughs> like of which like how many of them have really been successful and now to bitch and he was signed as a winger so you know who who has really been successful in that whole time yeah and then you, and then you think like well what is going on here is it the fact that the midfield isn't successful well then what's going on there or is it that we just don't buy the right strikers but whatever the case you know i was texting uh, my mate during the game and we were agreeing the last time i guess aside from an out for a half a season that we had forwards that you could think oh brilliant we got a decent forward here that you knew was going to get you goals and stuff it's like dean ashton or craig bellamy and we're mm. talking like 15 years ago yeah yeah it's it's obvious to me. It's because there is no structure or strategy put in place to shrewdly recruit players. You know, we've we've got, I think to this day, we've got one scout still. I don't know if we've brought a few more in, but that was an embarrassing fucking circus act when that all came out to play and there was, you know, something out for, for uh, volunteer scouts and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just a laughing stock, absolute oh, laughing stock. But, but that's it. And you, you've said it earlier on. The problem is... You've got Golden Sullivan that are control freaks, mainly Sullivan, who is using his agents that he's got relationships with, and he wants to control every aspect of a football club to include the players that are coming through the door. Mm. When really you should be employing a shit hot head of recruitment that has a network of scouts globally that we can get some serious players in. Exactly. On I mean, but we don't do it. So how can you have no strategy in place whatsoever, no structure in place whatsoever, and expect to sign good players? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And look at Leicester or Southampton, for exactly. example. Exactly. You know, Leicester and Southampton, Leicester sold Kante, they sold Mares, yet they bring in, you know, Madison, for example, or, you know, other players that Leicester have got that are that are just equally good as replacements. Southampton sell most of their players to Liverpool and then sell some more players to Liverpool. You know, they've got like that continuous production line. And what and what I think is, you know, really like if I want to give you a quick guide to be an ITK at West Ham and that is learn the three or four agents that Sullivan trusts. Yeah. Go on Transfer Market, which is a website which ranks like, you know, shows players, search the agent and the players that he they've got on their books, yeah, and I guarantee you three or four of those players will be linked with West Ham or will join West Ham. It's, it's the same network of players, and that's why half of West Ham's team belong to one agent and half of them belong to the other, and that's because mm. that is how our recruitment is done. In a day and age, like... 
No, David Sullivan doesn't even have a mobile phone. I mean, like, obviously, I don't want that shouldn't be a sign of whether you can sign good players or not. But to me, it does suggest that everything at West Ham is just so dated now. Like, yeah. we, uh, you know, David Sullivan and David Gold, would they appointed the director of football. It didn't work, but they need not just a director of football. They need a sort of a CEO type person that's in charge of strategy not just signing players but the whole thing start it from the ground and work it up you need to get your academy sorted you need a proper training ground um, with all the correct facilities there you need a high class scouting network you need proper um, coaching on the pitch uh, on the training ground sorry you need proper recruitment in terms of players not just for the immediate situation but for the future as well players that are going to grow whilst they're there um, and it's just so many elements that you need like that for a successful team that just don't that just don't happen at West Ham. Yeah, totally. What's your thoughts on David Moyes then? Because if I, I mean, I Ooh, gave mine on Twitter today. I mean, I, I would have sacked him after the Tottenham game, one hundred percent. And you know, I don't just want to be about problems. I want to be about solutions as well. And I genuinely believe that we should have sacked him and then done everything we could to give the job to Sam Allardyce for the last seven games of the season. Give him a fat. Um, paycheck for keeping us up if he does that and then in the summer look to another manager like Kovac again maybe have a punt on him but David Moyes cannot be at this football club anymore he's he's a fucking relic and it's just constant mistakes all the time that he's making whether he's talking to the media whether he's putting out his team whether he's motivating his players whether he's got an eye on on a player whether he's um, trying to enforce some sort of in-game management which is non-existent I mean again you take the Wolves game every man and his dog watching that game knew at one point Troy Oro was going to come on and when he came up against Creswell last time he nearly lapped him at the London Stadium I mean it was embarrassing he absolutely roasted him for pace so you know he's going to hurt him why did he not think to himself I'm going to put Ryan Fredericks on him I'm going to whip Aaron off and just for pace alone I know Ryan is the only player on that pitch that can keep up with him so I'm going to put him on why is he not thinking like people that are outside the game? He's a he's a manager, for Christ's sake, but fans can even see that. Why is he not making simple changes like that? He just he he's he will bring this club down. He will take this club down like he did with Sunderland. He was a car crash at Real Sociedad, and he was a car crash at Man United. He's never won anything in his career. He done okay at Preston. He done well at Everton, but that's it. Nothing since. But for some reason, we're hell bent on trying to stick with him. When actually, I think, despite the fact that Allardyce has said that he won't work for those clowns again, I believe, I believe that's a quote. I think, you know, he loves a pound note. He's out of work. If you say to him, Sam, after seven games, I'll pay you a million pound to keep us up. Who, who in this in this world would not take that? And I think we've got to do it. I think we've got yeah. to do it. Moyes should never have been appointed as West Ham manager. It was debatable whether he should have been the first time, but he certainly shouldn't the second time. When you've sent out a message to your fan base and to a large majority of the players that are still there that this manager is not good enough to manage our club, we're going to move him on, and then you've brought him back, what does that say immediately? It says that you haven't progressed, that you're desperate, and that you don't rate the manager that you've appointed the second time. He, shouldn't, he didn't get a club after leaving West Ham, so yes, he did 
well to keep us up that season, but he obviously didn't do well enough or impress enough people to get a job in in, in that period. Um, he did he all sh- right. He did all right. I mean, yeah. keeping West Ham in the Premier League should be the easiest fucking objective that a man could have. I mean, that's what a players. What are we in this relegation fight? I don't know. It's like, look at the side of 2003. It's a better side than we've got now, and we got relegated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 2010, you could argue on paper we were probably too good to go down. I don't know. But this is the thing. You know, the players that we've got need to be led by a leader, someone that the players respect, someone that the players have a laugh and a joke with. This is why I come back to Sam Allardyce. His man management was so on point that the players wanted to do well for him. Yeah, now, think... the players don't want to do well for anyone. They just want to pick up their paychecks, go home. And if we get relegated and they leave the football club, they don't give a shit. Why do they care? Yeah, exactly. And I think at the end of the day, if... I mean, I'm not sure you're right in saying Allardyce, but I'd rather him than Moyes. And I think, and I think, if you're saying Allardyce for seven games, then fair enough. I can kind of understand that you're literally bringing him in. Your job is keep us up, and then we'll, and then we'll give you a million pound, and then you'll go at the end of the season. I yeah. think long term, you don't go with Sam Allardyce. No, now, I'm not saying that. I, I, no, I, I know. Sam long term. But the thing is, it's right. So, a couple of questions: Would you are you comfortable having Moyes to the end of the season? Uh, no, but then I do worry if you bring someone in now who really, other than the likes of Allardyce, is there that you can bring in at this point that's going to guarantee. And that's the next question. So if you don't want Moyes, who comes in on a short-term basis? Short-term basis. Yeah, I don't think you can look towards anyone other than Sam Allardyce. I don't think I don't think these people are out there. You want someone? Yes, I've I've seen the tweets. Give it to Nolan. Get Joe Cohen. That's a gamble. With Sam Allardyce, you've got a man who I don't believe has ever been relegated, a man who knows how to galvanise his players. He's intelligent. He's a good football manager, Sam. Very good. All right, you might not get the best football, but I'll tell you what, in these seven games, if he was to come in tomorrow, I guarantee he'd keep this club up. With David Moyes, if we keep him and we don't get Sam in, I, I actually believe we're down now. If it stays this way, because I'm saying to you off, off air, the thing that worries <coughs> me is I think Villa has still got fight. I think yeah. the, the three bottom teams don't have the quality that we've got, but one, possibly two out of the three, are still up for this, and they're going to give it a go every week. Our players don't give it a go. Now, you're going to achieve more with the right attitude as opposed to the right ability, and we are at the wrong end of that spectrum. So you need play, you need someone that can get hold of those players, make them tick, and get the best out of them. David Moyes can't do it. He's absolutely mm. fucking flopped again in his career. Sam Allardyce is the only person, I believe, that can come in and save our season, realistically. And then in the summer, we, we shoot for the stars again and we have a crack at someone else. And then we, we get everything else in place and do it the right way, like the training ground, like the scouting network, like the staff. But as yeah. it stands, mate, you know, because I've got to say... This club is fucked. I mean, mm. we've left the stadium we loved and moved into a stadium that we hate, generally speaking. Mm. We've had three underperforming managers since moving, lost players we wanted to keep, signed player after player that hasn't been good enough. We've got an overplayed squad of players here who don't give a shit about West Ham and owners who don't know how to successfully run a football club and take us to that next level. And the final now in that black, claret and blue coffin is that I honestly do think we'll go down this season. And I've got absolutely no idea when or if we'll come back. We will officially be the biggest laughing stock in football. And collectively, that's on the board, that's on the manager and that's on the players. And all of them should be ashamed of themselves.
Yeah, I agree with you. You're right. I can't really add much to that because I think you've concluded it very well. Um, but I, 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 I yeah, I, there's not much more to say. I think it is an absolute sh- shambles at the moment. Um, I think it's time for most people at that club to have a look at themselves and think maybe it's time for me to move on and do something different. Uh, if we get relegated, unless we appoint the right manager that completely buys the right players and almost redoes the whole thing all from scratch, then I think we might be like a Sunderland and be down there for a long time. Mm. Um, I think the only thing, and I know what you've said about Aston Villa, but they've they've got you've got Villa, you've got Bournemouth, you've got Watford, you've got Norwich, and there's always one that potentially you think are safe, and then kind of falls into that trap. So looking at that realistically, the only team that that really can be is Brighton, who I know got a good result against Arsenal. But then I think me and you, two v eleven, would probably get a result against Arsenal at the moment. Um, mm. But they uh, so really Brighton might get sucked in, but we're actually still not in the relegation zone, believe it or not. After mm. Today's fixtures. Now, whilst it's goal difference, it's only two goals that's keeping us up. We still play. You know, Chelsea will probably lose this weekend, but after that, we've got um, we've got Newcastle in there. I know Man United are in there, but you've got Newcastle, you've got Burnley, you've got Norwich, you've got Aston Villa, and you've got Watford. It is so in our hands um, to get out of this. The even. You know, just two, maybe three wins out of that, and we'll, and we'll stay up um, because the other teams are so poor. Uh, so mm. I'm not as de- I'm not as definite that we're going down. But I think if we stay up, it will only be on the fact that the other teams are worse than us. Like that season mm. when um, we stayed up under Zola, when I think we finished seventeenth, and pit teams like Burnley and Hull and someone else were that bad that we managed to just stay up. But um, mm. that's the only thing that's going to keep us up. And Sebastian on there. I'm going to say go back to it again. But if we can get a forward that scores us goals, then you've got a chance. You can't win a football match without goals, obviously. We haven't scored any in the two games that we've played so far. We haven't really looked like scoring any. You know, Fornells has had a couple of chances and fluffed them. But other than that, you know, we haven't really looked like it. You can put that down to the midfield as well. You can put that down to anyone. But whatever the situation, if we're not going to score a goal, then we're not going to win a game, obviously. So we've got to sort that out immediately. The, the, the problem is, what worries me is the manner of the defeats. Because like you, I've looked at the fixture list and I've, and, I've, and I've called probably three games that we can win. The problem is, will we win them? And, and I think arguably the most frustrating thing for me last night, watching this against Tottenham, was that I think Tottenham were there for the taking. Oh, I yeah. don't think I don't think they were impressive to watch Tottenham at all. No, no, no. Well, like I said to you, up until like the goal went in, which was unlucky. You know, let's put that in there. It should have been a handball. Yes, I know in the past before VAR, they probably wouldn't have noticed that. But the whole point of VAR is that they've brought in this thing to stop any form of like hand affecting the direction of the ball it clearly does and it that's why Suchek misjudges it and it ends up like that because it was it, the flight was changed and it is very unlucky you know if we'd been up to you know whatever minute it was that Kane scored in being nil nil we might we might have had a chance but the minute that goal went in the heads dropped and it's the mentality that is the most concerning thing about about this team there's no leaders on the pitch the minute things don't go our way the heads drop and that was what happened I actually thought we were doing all right against Spurs up until that goal. And like you said, they were there for the taking. But mm. you knew the minute something wrong or we conceded, that would be it, game over. Yeah, 
the edge just dropped. And, you know, going back to what I was saying, because of how we're playing, I don't think there are any gimmies now. I think if we were on form and they were playing to their potential, the, the, the games that we're talking about are already in the bag. But, you know, Norwich are going to be fighting for their lives if they're going to see West Ham as a team that they can, they can take. Um, Burnley, they've always been difficult to play. Uh, Newcastle, I don't think we get anything from there, personally. I, I don't think we get anything from Chelsea. So then you're talking about the last few games now. And, you know, Villa, I, I still think Villa have got more fight than we have. I really do. And I don't know. I think, could they galvanise them enough to cause an upset? And you look at all of our relegations over the years, it's mainly been down to there being no fight, not not having the attitude, not having the, the mental desire and hunger to match the ability you've got. And we're in exactly the same situation now. And that's what worries me more than anything else. We're not talking about ability. We're talking about how we are approaching games and how we're performing in those games. It's just not good enough. And, and it's week after week after week. And I, I, and whereas before I would have said, yeah, we're going to go at those games, we're going to pick up points. I think we're that bad at the moment. We're there for the taking for anyone. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I, I just, I just really think if we can get a goal, that helps things. We, we need, we need to start getting something that we can build upon. At the moment, we've not had anything yet. I'd be interested to see what happens if we actually score first. I think I saw a stat come on on Sky that said we're the team in the league that's from a losing position lost the most games. If that makes sense. Um, so it's it, there's real, real question marks about our mentality, and I think that's fair to say. I think, you know, you look at Anderson, Lanzini, to pick two obvious two. They're players that are, do thrive on, I don't know, being confident and having praise and stuff. So if we can just get get a goal and see what happens, then you never know. Like I think, I think I, I'm going to call that we're just going to stay up. Just. It's going to be horrible and it's going to be a right, right, horrible journey. And we're not going to play well and we're going to be gutted. But I'm just going to call that we'll just about survive just <laughs> but i'm not confident but i'm not confident at all yeah i know it's it's a horrible time to be a west ham fan it really is but mm. do you know what apart from that season at the bowling it's it's been a bit of a horrible decade or so really isn't it i mean i know we we, we came up through the playoffs that was a good season then we had the season at the bowling I can't remember too many memorable seasons where I thought this is such a lovely time to be a West Ham fan and so exciting to watch us play. Mate, I'll be honest with you, since we've been into lockdown, I haven't missed football at all, no, really. And, and what I've enjoyed is that we've done continued with the podcast and we've done, you know, the two, um, the various player interviews and those interviews reflected upon a time when I enjoyed supporting West Ham a mm. lot more than I enjoyed supporting now. Um, mm. if, if the season had been void, I would have been pleased. If the season didn't restart for another four or five months, I would have been pleased. The only thing I missed really is the social side i miss seeing you every week um i miss mm. uh, you know i miss doing the events i miss things like that um but the actual football no not really i haven't missed the itk stuff i haven't missed the games i haven't missed the depression of west ham um mm. so it makes me think sometimes i question myself and i think this is optional you know i'm not i'm not being forced <laughs> to do any of this why do why do i do it you know like why do i just give up and just stay right football is not for me but unfortunately there's just like this drug that lures you back to it but i agree with you things supporting west ham hasn't been fun for 
like you say, 10 years. And I hate to state the obvious, but what's been the common denominator in those 10 years? Uh, Golden Sullivan. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. and what does that say? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. It's uh, it's it's very depressing. It really is. But you're saying it's optional. You know as well as I do, it's not optional. Yeah, you know, true. you're true. born into it, and yeah. that's why we're the best fans on the planet because you know it's not optional for us. It's in our DNA. And even if the club fall into the conference, we'll we'll still be selling out week in week out because that's who we are. But you know what though, the thing that's given me the, the biggest pride. Uh, in I guess recent weeks is seeing the fan base like you know you see the funeral the other day for um Dennis and see yes. the turnout yeah. for that and the and the emotion and the family feel that that he um generated in other people so much that those people wanted to come out and um you know, pay, pay tribute to him. I mean, what a way to go. If you're a West Ham fan, you've seen the, the streets lined with what looked like thousands. I mean, I don't know how many was mm. there, but that's what it looked like. Um, singing bubbles and all dressed in claret and blue. I mean, that was special. And then Incredible. you look at some of the charity efforts um, that have gone on over the last few weeks. You know, I helped a fellow raise two grand for his dog that had broke his leg, which seems seems nothing. Mm-hmm. But, the, the, but the leg was going to have to be amputated. And, you know, I know I know to some people, people might think there's bigger things in the world, but being uh, you and I know as dog owners um, that, mm. that that's not quite the same. And then you see the stuff for Isla and all the other various um, charities. And I think that's a great thing about West Ham fans. And um, you're right, it is, it is more the off-the-field stuff that has been, been something to be proud of rather than the on-the-field stuff. Yeah, without a doubt, mate, without a doubt. Uh, right, okay, don't go anywhere because next, X is going to give it to us. Have you ever searched for something online that you didn't want others to know about? Come on, let's be honest, we've all been there. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. And you're always vulnerable to your information being sold to ad companies. That's why, even when you're at home, you should never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. This is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit our exclusive link, which is www.expressvpn.com west, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. I'll give you that again, www.expressvpn.com west. Right, what have you got for us, pal? Uh, I've got a few things this week. Now, obviously, the situation of Germany and Gakia has been well highlighted. Um, that he's leaving. Um, he said he, he said his goodbyes to the squad today um, and has officially left the club from this point. Um, there's talk of many clubs being interested. I've talked about a few of them on the show before, um, and it's believed that the latest club to be strongly interested is West Brom. Obviously, Slaven Bilic as their manager. Strong chance that they'll be in the Premier League next year. And they're right back. I think Shane Ferguson, I think he's out of contract himself and has possibly secured a 
London move to Crystal Palace. So this could be, um, you know, Bilic has maybe said to him, you know, you'll come in and you'll be our right back. Obviously, both Slaven, Julian, um, know Steve Potts very well, who'd be the under 23s manager and obviously knows Ngakia from their time at the club. So it makes sense that they would be strong runners for him. There's talk that a couple of German teams are looking at him. Now, German teams, as is proven with Jordan Sancho, um, and to a lesser extent, Reese Oxford, um, have looked at English players from academies and brought them in to their systems to develop them into players. Um, and I think there's talk that Schalke and... Um, uh, Forgotten which other German team it was now, but there's them and another have been looking, might be Cologne maybe, um, have looked at have looked at um, him too. But I'm believing at West Brom, Watford are someone that have shown interest as well. Um, Palace have them as well, but it'd be interesting to see. But yeah, West Brom is a new name that's came to me today. Um, also leaving the club will be um, another right back in Zabaleta. I know it's been well documented that he is going to leave the team um, and retire, but I believe he's actually going to leave this week. So he won't be available for um, the remaining fixtures of the season. It's my understanding um sanchez i'm not 100 percent sure on but i think the same will apply to him um i think that he'll probably be um be released as well uh, from memory neither of them are on the bench um yesterday uh so that explains why that they'll be on on the way out um also uh Another player, which is very hard for me to pronounce. Everyone likes my attempts at these things. Uh, called Anua El Masani. Um, he's a, a left back that we signed from Ajax a little while ago, um, a couple of years ago. Was meant to be highly rated. We beat a number of teams for his signature. He hasn't been offered a new contract, so he, he'll be leaving the club as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier on the show, Alexander Silva's been looking really good in training, and the players have been sort of impressed of him and saying that perhaps he he deserves deserves a chance well, and tell me he's fucking leaving and all no, no, no. He's, he's not at the moment. And something that seems to interest people every year. But I, ha- I have finally seen the kits. So I'm looking at them in front of me. And I should have probably sent them to you, mate, so you can verify with me. Um, it's not the greatest picture, but um, I can see enough to describe to describe them. Um, so thank you to Guy from Umbro that sent that to me that um, uh, regularly listens to the show without giving too much away. Um, so the home shirt is obviously claret and blue. <laughs> Shock horror. But um, the main body is claret and the arms are all blue. Um, the collar is blue as well. It's like a circular collar, you know, not like your old flappy ones that you used to get in the 90s, but the circular one. And it looks very much like the kit that was... Um, around in our last season at um, Upton Park. Uh, it was a very similar style to that. Betway in, in white across the middle. And it's a bit blurred, but I think the Umbro badge might be um, light blue and that the actual um, West Ham badge might be in light blue as well. So that that's also um, like so Claret and blue um, is but the badge and Umbro seems to be blue as well. Although, as I say, it's can't quite see that bit. Um, and then the away kit is your old traditional light blue um, with two claret hoops. Um, but this time, the claret hoops look like they're slightly further apart. You know, the old shirts of the 90s and 60s and so on. The claret 
stripes were right next to each other, weren't they? Um, well, these uh, have got a bit of a gap between them. I mean, there was obviously a gap before, but these seem to have a slightly bigger gap. And the claret, the claret line seems to be slightly thicker as well than um, previously. But again, it does look very much like that old traditional style. Again, um, blue is the main body, claret as the bit around the end of the sleeves and the collar and then I think there is also going to be a third shirt which will be a white shirt um, as well which again looks very similar to uh, previous white kits um, so yeah that's basically the situation the away do, kit do you like, next? Do you like the um, they're traditional like because obviously like i said before they're gonna be like um for 125 years so i'd say probably if you look over our history it looks like um they're probably the most common um kits that that i can see um in terms of the claret main body and uh, light blue arms and then the blue light blue with the claret hoops um the away kit like i said is is that blue so the shorts are blue and it looks like the socks are white um but i need to need to confirm that because as i said the picture's not overly clear but uh definitely that is the that is the kits for now i'm happy to send you the pictures mate so that you can sort of see what um what i'm saying and then you can you can maybe help with the description at another point but yeah that looks like the kit so um yeah i, I won't i never ever treat tweet the picture out um because um i try to be respectful i guess to the people that want the to the umbro people and the club that want to put that that news out but then when people the leaks always come before those places anyway so if i'm if someone else gets hold of the a photo of the kit i will confirm whether that's the one that i've seen but as i say mate i'll send this to you and then you can you can have a butchers for yourself as well okay mate anything else uh no i think that will do for this week Oh, okay, one, oh, sorry, one other thing is that the club were impressed. I don't know if I said this last week on the show, I can't remember, but they were impressed with um, Eze, the QPR player, when they played the friendly against him. If we stay up in the Premier League, um, we'd like to sign him. I think there'll be strong interest in him. He's an attacking midfielder again, but uh, I guess that would suggest that we might finally be uh, ready to sack off the likes of Lanzini and possibly Anderson, but um, yeah, but that all depends on what league we're going to be in. Um, uh, and I think I'll talk about the takeover bid in the next section because it's one of the questions. Okay, mate. Uh, yeah, he's an exciting player, that is, eh? He's a really skillful, yeah. entertaining player. So, um, yeah, that's good to hear that. So, watch his space, obviously. Yeah. Okay, mate. Good stuff. As always, thanks very much. No worries. X is the man in the know. He keeps you in on rain or snow. His opinion is in demand. There ain't another ITK that I can stand. With the football back, what better way to enjoy West Ham's return than with some delicious beers from all over the globe. As we can't enjoy a pint at the ground or in the boozer, Beer 52 will bring the beer to you. They're offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash west and cover the £5.95 postage. Each case is delivered direct to your doorstep so no need to leave the house. If you're looking to stock up, Now's your chance. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Each month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea and all over USA and Europe. 
As an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene and they continue to support it during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash west to get your first case of eight beers for just £5.95. That's www.beer52.com forward slash west. Welcome back to the final part of the show, where as always, you've been good enough to take the time to give us your questions and X is going to read them out. So this is from at Gullivin. Um, three players that you'd sell in the transfer window and three players that you'd buy. Cheers, lads. I think it's easy to talk about who we'd sell. Um, so mm. do you want to go ahead? I think I could probably guess yours, but do you want to go well, ahead? So two's an absolute no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. Anderson and Lanzini. Yeah. As, as for the third... Um, Oh, the third I would sell. Gosh, that's, a, that's a bit tricky. I mean, the, the trouble is I'm thinking what you'd actually get for these players as well. I mean, I think Creswell's come to the end of his time at West Ham now, but mm. I don't think you get nothing for him. If we're talking about who frustrates me and who I think should move on, I think I would say Lanzini, Anderson and Creswell. If you're talking about, you know, in terms of monetary value, what would be worth selling, it probably wouldn't be Cres. But for the sake of time, I think I'll give you those as my three. Okay, I think I'd change Cresswell. I kind of agree with you that he's not the same player, but I think I would sell Yarmolenko. Um, I think the fella's on a, a massive wage, and um, mm-hmm. he's not, and he's not, you know, doing anything to justify it. So, I think, yeah, I think it'd be those three for me in terms of players to buy. I mean, where'd you start? But I think I would definitely buy a forward that scores goals and has proven that he can do that in England. So, who that is? I don't know because obviously they're they're an expensive commodity, but you might want to look at the championship. Who I don't even know off the top of my head who the top scorers are down there. Um, if any of them are worth taking, um, you might want to look at some other sort of players that have proven that they can score certainly at the top level. Um, but I think we definitely need a forward. We definitely need a box to box midfielder. If that isn't Suchek, although Suchek will sign um, if we get um, promoted, and I think like you've kind of hinted, I think we need a new left back as well oh, the full, fullback situation is diabolical to be honest because you know left back you've got um, a, a complete out of form Aaron Creswell who's too slow I think he's shot his bolt now I really do I don't want to be too harsh on Cres because you know he's, he hasn't been horrendous but he's not the same player he was then what have you got as a fullback option as it stands for him you've got Mazuaku who isn't a left back and then you Ben Johnson's been thrown there before but I mean I've only seen him play once I, I don't know if he's good enough I know people talk a good game about him but not enough to actually start him so far from what I've seen and then you go to the right back I mean I was in despair listening to you there you know you've got Zabaleta who Grant is too old anyway he's going to walk out the club Jeremy Ngaki has gone so we've got Ryan Fredericks and again maybe Ben Johnson so it's the fallback situation frightens me massively yeah, definitely. I mean, I've I've just loaded up on the uh, football. So talking of fullbacks, there's a guy at Wigan. I think his surname's Robinson, uh, and I believe West Ham have actually looked at him from what I've seen of him and what people have told me in the game. He would be worth looking at. I think he might be an American international, possibly. Um, but there was one point he was close to joining Milan, I think. Um, and he looks a very good player. So I'd look at him for left back in terms of forward. I've just loaded up the Championship top scorers and the two that are 
funnily enough, Gerard Bowen's actually fourth in the championship, <laughs> top scorers. Um, but then if you look at the top, third is Lewis Grabin, who I would not sign. He's He played at mm. Norwich and Palace, I think, and was a bit hit and miss. But the top two, second with 22 goals, is Ollie Watkins of, um, of Brentford, who West Ham have actually looked at and looks like a very good player. So I would be happy to sign him. And the other guy who's one goal ahead is Mitrovic, who we've also looked at in the past. Mm. And again, I'd, I'd take him. I mean, he's proven that he can score in the Premier League. He's proven he can score at Fulham uh, in the Championship. He's got a lot I like. He's, he's, he's a bit rough, isn't he? He's been sent off a mm. few times. But I like the fact he's got that kind of edge to him. You know, so I've, you know, I, I think Mitrovic would be a decent mm. signing. Lacks a uh, bit of pace. But, yeah. Uh, He's uh, yeah, he does, but... attributes. Uh, and, and he's the sort of player that the fans would love as well. I think. Well, he's, exactly, and he's the sort of player that if we we're playing the formation that we try to play Alaire in, that I would feel more confident. I'm going to be honest with Mitrovic up front than I would Alaire in, in with the system that we play. So I think that um, I think he'd be a good signing. So that's my left back, Robinson. My forward, I'm going to save a Mitrovic or Watkins, and then you need a box to box midfielder like a a sort of a real sort of engine. I don't, again, I don't think we'd get him. Um, because of doubt he'd want to join us, but some I'd take Barkley at Chelsea. I think he's mm. a good player. I think he um he adds a lot of energy. I think he's actually technically a lot better than what people give him credit for. Yes, he might be a bit more attacking than box to box. I would you know I wouldn't. I wouldn't shy away from John Joe Shelf. I know he always gets linked with West Ham and some people rate him, some people don't. I think he'd do all right for West Ham, a West Ham fan. You know, he's a bit box mm. to box, gets goals, he can spring passes. Yeah, I, would, I don't know how old he is now, but I think he must be going to the sort of twilight. He must be about 28, 29, I'm guessing. So, yeah, decent age. So that would be what I would do. Um, next question just quickly, was we also we also looked at Cash, didn't we as well? Yeah, Knox Forest fullback. I think he's a right back, but yeah, we have looked at him in the is past. That, is that dead now? Is it? Uh, I wouldn't say dead. I think we could revisit it, but he he um yeah, we have looked at him. I think had we kept hold of Ingakio, it would have been dead. But yeah, I think it could it could happen. But as I say, all of these transfers are all completely subject to what division we're in and what cash we've got you know i'm sitting here saying sign watkins or sign mitrovic if they're going to be valued at like 30 million 40 million i don't know whether we're going to have the money to do that so yeah. you know it's all hypothetical really um so this is from at sam shearer seven he said any chance of nolan replacing Moyes for the the home run um i would say no um because i think if if Moyes goes they'd replace him with someone else i think nolan might get you know one game like caretaker manager if it was a quick turnaround because the games are so close together but I'd be very surprised if they trusted a manager that a guy that's basically technically failed at Leighton Orient at Notts County and they've been sacked from both clubs to then put him in charge of trying to keep West Ham up I mean that'd be a bit of a big gig really I'd rather go with someone completely unconnected person they don't get me wrong I think Kevin's a great coach I'm really pleased that he's at West Ham but I think that would be a massive ask. Uh, although, to be fair, I'd probably take anything over Moyes at times. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if this is one of the questions, but do you think there is a realistic chance that they would sack Moyes? And if so, at what point do you think that would come? I don't think they'll sack Moyes, no. From no, I what don't I've, think they will. From what I can gather is that they think that we'll just about stay up um, and that it will come down to the last game of the season and Moyes will just about keep us up and I think that will be good enough for them and I think that's what they feel will happen so I think 
it's not based upon too many facts. It's based upon bits of facts, but gut instinct more than anything. I think they'd keep him, would be my opinion on that. Let's say we stayed up on goal difference or even a point. Do you think they would stick with him for the start of next season? Yeah. So you don't think they'd replace him in the summer? No. That'd be my again my gut instinct on that because they'll say they haven't got the money because they're already starting to state we haven't got much money for anything and David Moyes hasn't ever had a summer to build his own team has he he's only ever inherited a team in sort of January that's been in a relegation battle so they'll argue that he deserves a chance to build his own team and I yeah, guess and they won't it, give him any money to do it no exactly yeah although you guess that if you look at the two players he's signed. Um, since he's been back this time, um, unless I'm missing someone, but it was Suchek and um, Bowen. Um, and if you look at both of those, certainly Bowen looks a really good signing, and I think Suchek's done all right. Yeah, so you could probably say that the two signings he's made have been have been good. Oh, and Randolph didn't he? And Randolph's a decent backup keeper. So mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe if he did have the summer, oh, I don't know. So I think personally, I don't think he's good enough. But um, nah. I think the club will argue for him to stay longer. Right, this is at West Ham Rambles, and he said some fans think Golden Sullivan are more likely to leave if we are relegated. Others think not, as they would not get as much money for a sale. What do you think relegation would mean for Golden Sullivan and any possible sale? Are we just stuck with the Jizz Twins for eternity? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I think it would be disastrous for them financially if we went down. And I think the resale value of the club would plummet so i think for them it would be the worst case scenario and and for that reason i don't think they would sell because i don't think they could so i think relegation in which case is is as much of a nightmare for us as it is for them yeah i think if if west ham fans um want them to sell up i think our best bet is for them for us to still be in the premier league because what will happen like you've rightly said is our value will be completely um knocked down we'll have a half empty stadium um so our our ability to command big fees um when bought would be nowhere near as strong um and so what they would think is they'd probably think if they had any ambitions to sell which i don't think they do but if they did they'd probably think right if we can get them back to the premier league then the, then we're going to be able to sell for a lot more and they'd probably try and plug away at that for two or three years at least I would imagine um, and then hope that we can get promoted like we did last time and then Do you know the, what? Oh, yeah, what interests me is I'm surprised they still want the club after 10 years because let's be honest it's been a pretty stressful time for them yeah. um, they brought it on themselves don't get me wrong but they can't have enjoyed this ownership and you know David Gold's in his 80s for Christ's sake and, you know, Sullivan's no spring chicken either. And whilst it's always said that it will go to their kids, I, I can't I can't see even if the kids would want anything to do with it. I think they would, to be fair, mate, if I'm honest with you. I think Jack would. I think the fact that Jack's um, doing the whole ladies thing is his, um, is his what's the word, training, apprenticeship to doing the main thing. Uh, and, and to be fair, you have to let Jack be his own man. You know, like, you can't judge someone on their dad now yeah ideally for me i would want i guess a new multi-million owner to come in and take us over or say billion i guess multi-billion owners come in and do things differently um 
But if Jack takes over, you have to judge him as Jack Sullivan, not as the son of David Sullivan, because I know full well when me and my dad would do things very differently in terms of how we manage things and manage people. Um, and, you know, some could argue that my dad would do it better than me, but in some ways I think I would do it better than them. But you'd have to give each each of you a fair crack at the whip. Um, yeah, but and, I can't uh, see what the, uh, David Gull's daughters are going to want with a club. No, maybe they might not be as directly involved. They might just be there as a sort of uh, a bit like what it is now, really, as a as a yeah. as just there to sort of let yeah. the Sullivans control things. Um, mm. But um, I, I I think I think Jack would want it. Um, I, it just depends what offer comes in. You know, really, we all know that deep down, David Sullivan is money obsessed um and so if a billionaire came in and offered him to make you know 600 million for the club when he only paid 80 million for it or whatever it was and there's obviously invested money but would make a massive profit on him i think he i think he'd find it hard to turn it down personally but mm. i don't think he'd i don't think he'd want to sell i think I, I would i would guess that jack would want to inherit the club definitely yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Dave Sullivan Jr. would want anything to do with it. I don't think he's that sort of character. I don't think he shares the same level of interest. Jack definitely does. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, um, you know, because he would have still been there. He would have seen it. He would have seen that at times it is a thankless task going in a football club. He would have seen the stress that comes with it, the shit that comes with losing, being out of form, making the wrong decisions. And to get it right running a football club is not easy. And especially at what Jack will still be is a very young age. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, it would be interesting. I, I, I think, personally, I think sometimes, and I'm only speaking for him, I don't know factually, and he'd never, ever, ever admit to it. But I bet there's times when Jack Sullivan thinks, oh, Dad, I wouldn't have done that, or I don't think that's a good idea. or And I think... Mm. I think he's proven with the ladies team that he does know how to do certain things quite well. He's certainly improved his PR. I think he's came across quite well on that program. Um, and so I think it is unfair to judge someone against their dad. But that said, but that said, I do think that in the best interest of West Ham and in the best interest of Jack Sullivan, because I don't think he'd ever break away from being son of David as, as, unfortunate that is for him i think the best mm. interest for everyone is that we have new owners definitely mm, yeah i agree another question here this is from at smack it's zero do either of you expect our bigger players at the club rice Allaire, oggy diop and bowen to remain at our club next season if we do amazingly stay up in the league which is looking unlikely i can't blame them if they jump ship because of these two bob owners I can't for one second imagine that West Ham is an enjoyable club to play your football. You know, I mean, we've we've got every right as a fan base to give those players and the owners and the managers shit because of what we get in return. But that can't be easy to play in front of um, when the fans are allowed in the stadium. And I don't know, you look at the ambition of the football club, you know, we're talking as fans and we're talking of, of what we would do differently and what the club should do and the signings that we've made that haven't been good enough and the signings that we should make but probably won't because of money. Uh, players must think exactly the same, but look at it from a different perspective. They must be in that dressing room thinking, you know, I want to win trophies. I want to play European football. I want to play with better players. I want a chance at representing my country. You know, all of these things can only happen if the club shows ambition and puts the investment into the right players. And not only that, these players have 
mates from other football clubs. You know, Declan, I mean, look, I'm making an assumption now. We don't know this for a fact, but he must speak to Mason Mount and they must joke around with some of the comparables. I mean, the training ground, for example, they must make that comparison and talk about what they have and haven't got. Oh, yeah. When I think when they go to, like, you know, whether it's Mason Mount or not, like when he goes to England, international duty, I'm sure, I'm sure I read this about a player. I can't remember which player it was, but I'm sure I read that they used to be embarrassed when they went on international duty and you'd see the, you know, the Man United lads together talking about what they got, get, you know, what they've got, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, teams like that, Tottenham, I guess. Um, And I do, I did read about this. I don't think this was Declan. I think it was a, possibly a generation before, you know, maybe something like Rio or something, but I seem to remember hearing that, or Trevor Sinclair maybe, but um, it, it um, yeah, I do think that's the case. They must look at these other players with envy. I mean, I think out of the players that that fella listed, I would say probably realistically, if we did go down, the only one that I would be fairly confident will be there afterwards is Bowen. He's the only yeah, but, one I would be. Yeah, but even he's got a relegation release clause. Yeah, yeah, true, so, true, so, true. You know, he, he would have asked for that to be in there for a reason. True. Well, that is very true, mate. And, and yeah. again, you can't blame him. You know, these no. players, at the very least, it's not a big ask to want to be able to play in the Premier League. And you've got to remember, every player that we're talking about here, they're not West Ham fans. We've only got one West Ham fan in that starting eleven, and that's Mark Noble. Now, all these other players are going to see things very differently to Mark. And we, we're saying as fans that we can understand why players would want to leave. How the fucking hell are the players thinking? I know. I mean, I thought like, as much as it pains me to say it, and it does pay me to say it, and I feel like such a traitor. But if Declan Rice, if Chelsea was to offer 80 million, don't get me wrong, I do not like Chelsea. Chelsea was to offer 80 million for him, um, and they was to offer him. I don't know. I think they pay Callum Hudson a doy about 135 grand a week. So let's say, wow. yeah, exactly. Let's say compared to that, that with that as a, as a benchmark, let's say they paid him 150, 160 a week to go and play for the club that he's supported all his life, that his family support all his life, that rejects him as a 14 year old, but he'd be able to go back and prove that those doubters wrong uh, i think he lives he's just uh, like lives around that that way uh close to chelsea's um training ground um there'd be a team that will match his uh keep his england career going if he plays for them a chance to be captain a chance to play the champions league a chance to challenge for titles or play at west ham where you're in a relegation battle where you're never really progressing where everything's a bit mickey mouse realistically could you hold a grudge against him if he went to Chelsea I'd hate it and I wouldn't I wouldn't be pleased but you couldn't blame the fella deep down could you he's like you no, say he's, he, he's not a West Ham fan he's a Chelsea fan I think he loves mm. the club I think he's a massive like adopted West Ham fan now but obviously his heart and his family's heart is with Chelsea and it's you know it's it's, it's just a, a sad way it is now. Like, if you look at West Ham without your claret and blue tinted spectacles on, it's not an attractive position at the moment. It should be, and hopefully in a couple of years it will be. But for Decker at this point, you know, he's, he's what, 21? You know, he's going to start. He's still got time on his hands. But if he goes to Chelsea now, he could be, uh, you know, there 14 years or so controlling their midfield. So I think you've got much more chance of doing something with your career if you do that. And footballers' careers are very short nowadays. And, you know, and yes, they earn a lot of money, but, um, that you know, he could be out. But I like the age of sort of 31, 32. He, he kind of wants to, 
have something to look back on with with success. You've got to be realistic. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not achieving anything in football and you're treading water in the Premier League and really your your only achievement year after year is staying in the, in the division, you're always going to be at risk of losing your best players. Always. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at it realistically, as a West Ham fan, these players are inevitably going to go. And all we ask, all I ask, is that they handle the move in the right way. They don't then leave and slag the club off and say shit about us and, and then move on because then that just completely burns the bridge between the player and the fans. If they just use some common sense and say the right thing, then you're never going to hold it against them. Like we never held it against Rio and Tevez and they always got a good welcome when they came back to Upton Park. But mm-hmm. um, it's just a sad state of affairs because we left Upton Park because, you know, we was on a promise really of looking to sign these top players, not lose them. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And it is sad because, you know, we, again, you know, we should be talking about Decker Rice becoming a West Ham, you know, legend and captaining us for many years to come. And I hope that he will. But, you know, if we slip down to the championship, really, does any, you know, established England international stay with their club in the championship is very, very rare, unless you're like Mm. a goalkeeper where... Goalkeepers tend to sometimes, but it's very, very rare that anyone else does, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, yeah, I think we'd really struggle to keep hold of any of those, to be honest, as sad as that is. Um, mm. Right. Uh, sorry, I've just popped out of the questions for a second by accident. Um, and, you know, on modern phones, you have like 101 apps and stuff. So, oh, there we are. Right, I'm here. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. So, at Mox1985, will it be a blessing in disguise if we go down? We can see who really wants to play for the club. We could, The board will sell up and we could get a decent manager in who knows how to play decent football. Well, the board won't sell up. And I think part of the problem that you've then got is that Golden Sullivan have done such a fantastic job at destroying their image in the media that I'm not sure they could attract a top manager. They did before in that division in Sam Allardyce. I mean, that was a fantastic appointment. But it's been so well publicised how difficult they are to work for and how much control they constantly want over the football club and how intensely involved they are with their manager. Or I think Sam Allardyce put it in his book that he'd get three or four calls a day from David Sullivan to a point where he'd just look at the phone and not even answer it. Mm. So I think attracting a top manager would be very difficult if we went down. Uh, is it a blessing? I, I really, really don't think it is. I, I'd love to see it that way. And I can kind of understand where the fella's coming from asking the question. Um, the only thing I can say that makes sense is possibly we could sign players that desperately want to play for the club, happy to fight in that division. Some of our youth players that we keep talking about that we believe are going to be special players will finally get an opportunity to show us, i.e. the likes of Nathan Holland, Ben Johnson, etc. Josh Cullen, maybe even. Uh, that's the only, only positive I can see from potentially getting relegated in my opinion yeah I think I agree with you to be honest with you I don't think getting relegated will help us I think like you say chairman will still be there then we're limited on what manager wants to work for us because a we're a championship team and b because of them and c um yeah i think we'll have empty stadiums i think the atmosphere will be terrible the fan base will be so negative um 
Yeah, I think if we got relegated, I'd be tempted not to renew my season ticket and just go to away games because I feel away. Yeah, I feel away games in the championship are quite fun and quite special. All the different grounds and stuff, some of the old school ones that I haven't been to for years. Um, mm. But I just I can't imagine how. Yeah, I don't even want to think about it really. Um, mm. So this is at WHUFC Fan Zone. Um, any truth in the reports around the trip consortium and the other rumoured interest in the club from the Middle East? Find it hard to believe there's nothing is going on behind the scenes when four different takeover stories appear in recent weeks. Um, well, it's one for you, mate. But I, before you answer that, I have to say I'm also very surprised that. We, we haven't had solid offers yet. Uh, either that or we have in quiet and they just don't want to sell because I, I, I keep going back to it. West Ham are such an attractive proposition for potential owners. You know, you've got that stadium, which is bloody rent-free, paid by the taxpayer. It's an iconic stadium, an iconic part of the nation's capital, where, as it stands, a Premier League outfit with some assets there in terms of um, valuable players within the squad. I just, I, it it really shocks me that we're not being spoken about in a sense that we, an, an imminent takeover is going to happen. It really surprises me. Yeah, I, I must admit, this is what I always say, whenever there's like, you know, the protests and stuff, if there is an owner out, a potential owner out there, they need to make themselves clear now because if the, the G GNS out brigade, um, which is pretty much everyone, um, uh, want... Um, uh, if they get hold of the fact that there's this really good bidder that could potentially come in for the club, they're going to do everything they can to back him, aren't they? So get that name out there and and hope mm. that something happens. But I think behind the scenes, there's a few people that are doing some talking, Trip being that person, and trying to see if he can drum up any interest or um, some. So, and there'll be other people out there that are looking at Premier League teams and thinking. You know, West Ham potentially with the stadium and various other factors, like you've said, are good, are good um, to buy. But at the moment, because of the uncertainty on the club, the division, the value of the club, the players, mm. the assets, I don't think there's anything seriously there to consider at the moment. Maybe that will come when the future's a bit more clear. But at the moment, and I don't think the club they want to sell either. So, so you, you, there's no there's almost no point in them being there in some ways. Um the offer if they're not going to sell anyhow. Um mm. so Oh, it's happened again, mate. Sorry about this. I'm a mare with my phone today. Um, right, <laughs> I'm back right. on it. Um, at Neil McCarthy, um, would you find confirming that a contract has already been... Would you mind? Sorry, would you mind confirming that a contract has already been agreed for David Moyes to continue as manager next season, irrespective of the league we're in? Surely he has to go now. Winning is... Hashtag winning is what he does not do. Um, yeah, ridiculous oh. quote again. I know, I know. I mean, he's he's almost becoming as bad as the owners now with his PR, David Moyes. It, everything about him as a manager. Now, I was speaking to an ex-player, um, well, today actually. I can't I can't say who it is, and he was saying that he knows how bad David Moyes is. He said he's fucking useless on all counts. I'll tell you ex who it is, but I can't say it on him. And um, and he's like, yeah, I, I can't believe they've given him the job. And we've just found ourselves in a situation where 
I do, I do to a degree. I don't care what anyone says. I do to a degree feel sorry for the owners with the Pellegrini situation. I think he let us down massively, Pellegrini. For for me, it was just a final payday for him, and where was his his extended pension? So I do feel sorry for him in that respect. I, but, I, do you know what though? On that issue, mate, and I agree with what you're saying, but I think, and I and I must admit, it's just hypocritical because back when we appointed him, I was like, this is amazing, blah 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 blah, and I was very pro it. So I know this is going to sound hypocritical. But I, I think Jason Cundy is. Uh, I can't stand him at times on Talk Sport. However, I listened to a quote from him last night, and I actually did agree with what he's saying. He's saying the whole Pellegrini thing again was a lack of strategy. It was just like, right, who's out there that's won the league that we could realistically get? Oh look, yeah, he's a manager. He's won the league. He's a big name. He's done all right in his career. Let's bring him in. But. Was it strategic? You know, he was at the end of his career. He's kind of on the downward slope because he was had gone to China. Um, was it a good appointment? Was it the right person? Well, I, I think it's very easy to say these things. Yeah, the I agree. Of hindsight. I you agree. Know, I, 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 I agree. was the same as you. When he was appointed, I was absolutely buzzing. And it's a fair argument to say, was it strategic appointing a manager of his age? Because where's the long term in that? But then if you look at it on the other side, it probably was strategic because if he would have delivered what West Ham fans hoped and the owners hoped he would have delivered, which might have been qualifying for Euro- Europa League, for example, and he was consistently doing that year after year and attracting better players and the squad was getting better and better, at his time of retirement, we would have been a far more attractive proposition for an, a, a, an even better up-and-coming younger manager to join us. Now, at the moment, we're not an attractive proposition for any manager. But if he would have left us in that state, he could have been the bridge between us getting the next Pochettino. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And and, and to be fair, the board didn't have a crystal ball. You know, I can't blame the board for something that I was excited about when they made that appointment. They would have been as excited as I was and as disappointed as I was, if not more so, when it didn't work out. So I feel sorry for them in that respect. But they did also, because of their image... And because of the state of the fucking football club that's that's public now, um, they did create a rod for their own backs in the sense that when it came to replacing Pellegrini, there wasn't really anyone out there that we could get. And David Moyes, I mean, fucking hell. I mean, people credit him for the first time he was at West Ham. It was so piss easy what was being asked of him. I mean, yeah, he'd he, he done the job that was asked of him, but it's not as if he exceeded that. It's not as if we said to him, well, keep us up, Dave. And then he actually got us to an eighth place finish. He, he did okay. Um, but then getting a the job second time round was actually the defining moment for me when I said, that's me done with the owners now. Uh, yeah. that's, that's piss poor. And yeah, it's just incredible to think. And that's why I asked you earlier, is it is it likely that he will carry on as manager well, in the summer? He, I'm gutted to hear that he will be. Well, he's got an 18-month contract. So, I mean, the question asks whether the contract's already been prepared for him. He has an 18-month contract. He signed that in January. So, by but the... But then I, I cannot... Knowing David Moyes like we all do now, this is why I asked the question, because if his contract was up in the summer, would they renew it? Um, I don't know. I think the fact that he's got the 18 months means they'll keep him. But if it was up in the summer, oh, I reckon they possibly would still keep him. You know, again, cheap option. And they're going to say that money is an issue. I, I, well, maybe so. I mean, I can't, from a footballing perspective, see how that makes any sense whatsoever. But the reason I asked that question was, if the answer would have been no, they wouldn't have renewed his contract, which common sense would tell you not to renew his contract, 
you're basically going to be keeping a manager on for six months into the new season. And half your season could be obliterated. You could be bottom of the league because of this shower of shit manager we've got in charge of these players, all because you've honoured the contract. Now, to get him out of his contract for six months on the wages he's on isn't going to cost a lot of money. So I just think at the end of what's been a disastrous season, we've given him another crack at the whip. He hasn't taken it. He's proven that he isn't the man for the job. So just cut ties with him. Pay him off. It's six months. If you're if, if money's that tight that you are going to let him have the next six months into a new season, which could ultimately put us in trouble to a point where we're seriously looking at relegation if we stay up this season, then it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more money in the long run because you've lost God knows how many millions by, by getting relegated or because of a manager that you backed because he had six months left in his contract. Yeah, no, I agree with you, mate. I can't really argue with that at all. But um, again, he shouldn't have been appointed in the first place. So the fact that he was, if he keeps West Ham up, the argument will be he did what he was brought in to do. Which, well, is, if that, well, if that's good enough for people, I don't know what they're moaning. It won't about. be good enough for people. It'll be good enough for the most important people, um, and that'll be the chairman. Uh, then we've got no chance, have we? We've got no mm. chance. I'd, I'd like to see, well, I've already told you, I'd like to see him sacked after Tottenham, Sam Allardyce coming for the rest of the season, then in the summer, maybe look at a Kovac or a Benitez. Benitez is a bit of a gamble again. The, the more time that goes on, the more time he's spending in China if he's still there. But again, tried and tested. Um, and then there's a, a sort of bit of an unknown entity in Kovac. But we've got to, we've got to get away from David Moyes now. It's, it's fucking, it's a piss take. It really is. I like um, Bazilla at Leeds, I think, well, as well. I've, well. I've always said that, actually. I forgot yeah. to mention him tonight. I yeah. like him. He seems to have done a decent job. Um, I'm gutted. And I, I said at the time, when he was available, we should have gone for Ancelotti. I know it would have been a lot more expensive yeah. than um, than than we would have liked to have paid. So, theoretically, we couldn't have got him. And everyone kind of um, sort of laughed at me for suggesting him. But, you know, if you look at the league table, what Everton were in trouble before he came in. And now they're, you know, sitting... 10th, comfortably in 10th, um, potentially pushing for a Europa, Europa League spot. You know, they were in big trouble when he came in, so he would have been another one that I would have taken, but me too, we, me too. we, we won't there get... It. It yeah. commands respect. And do you know what? That seems to be the one constant of West Ham in recent years is a manager who lacks respect of his squad. Um, but you get someone like Angelotti through the door and that changes and you need that. You need that manager to get that balance between respect, getting your players playing for you. You know, it's like, I know we're, we're sort of talking about the golden years now, but with Johnny Lyle, you know, all the ex-players we've ever spoken to, they all said you'd you, you die for John. You'd mm. die for him. And we just don't seem to have managers like that at West Ham anymore where you want to play for West Ham not just because of your paycheck at the end of the week. You want to play because you're playing for a, that badge and a manager that you adore. And yeah. we need someone like that. Yeah, no, I agree with you, definitely. Um, this is from at Vindicus. Vindicus. Oh, I can't read that. Vindicus, something like that. A Latin name. A Latin <laughs> name. Yeah, exactly, mate. God, I can't even read English, let alone Latin. Um, I think De- I think Diop is a really good defender and think we should build the defence around him. Do you agree? Or have I been in the sun too long? Um, yeah, I think I think Diop's a good defender. I think he's got potential. I think he's perhaps 
not as good as I originally thought he was, but hopefully it's just a blip. And um, yeah, I mean, out of all the defenders, I think him and Ogbonna should definitely be the two at the the choices at the back. If you could get obviously Ogbonna's getting on a bit now. If you could get another defender alongside you, oh yeah, I like Diop. I think I'd like Diop to stay. I'd like him to be a big part of our future. So yeah, I do think he is a good player. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said potential. He's definitely got potential. And I like him. He's got the physical attributes. Um, I think he's just fallen victim, like everyone else, of this rut that we're in. I don't yeah. think you've seen the best of Diop because you haven't seen the best of anyone. No. I think, you know, if he was playing in a team that could play and were consistent and actually give a shit, you'd see the best of Diop. Um, but I do like him. And, and because of his age... I think you could potentially build uh, certainly a defence around him, if nothing else. Well, he's very highly rated by a couple of other clubs, like Jose Mourinho loves him. Um, you know, he was very interested at Manchester United. Wouldn't surprise me if he was still interested at Spurs. Um, I think, you know, he's got attention from top managers. So there's obviously something about him that other people see as well. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's a good player. Um, uh, this is uh, so I'm going to go through these questions quite quickly because we've got a few now and obviously we've been on air for a bit of time but uh, Adam Tranet, um, I think you've already answered this but where do you think West Ham will be at the end of the season? Yeah, I, go- I, I do. I, do you know what? I really do. I, I think because our head's gone, our heart's gone quality is irrelevant to me now and I think there are I think there's potentially one other side in that bottom three that are going to want it more than we do and uh, for that reason I think we're going to finish third from bottom Okay, I'm going to go with four from bottom. I'm going to go with 17. And I'm going to go with we're going to stay up by default on the, the fact that there are three teams worse than us um, and that we will pick the odd point up. I think we'll get maybe a draw at Newcastle, possibly. I think I think we'll lose to Chelsea, but I think we'll get a draw against Newcastle. Um, I think we will beat Burnley. Um, I think we'll possibly beat Norwich um, because I think by then they would be so far behind that they've kind of lost their motivation um, and I think we might get a, a point from Watford and Villa and then that should should be enough to keep us up. I mean that, that is incredibly optimistic and I am aware that that is optimistic and I don't feel comfortable but I don't like to be the ultimate pessimist so I'm going to go with the we'll just survive um, so this so do me, so do I, mate. Massively. Um, at Sofian underscore Aftab05. Um, would you consider Scott Parker as a potential manager? Oh, that's quite a good question. That. Um, uh, not at this stage, I don't think. Not at this stage. I mean, I always like keeping an eye on ex-players that are broken into management to see how they're getting on. Um. I don't know. Maybe I'm deluded. Maybe I'm deluded, but I'm still waiting for that cope, that mm. cope of a real top manager who's going to take a chance on West Ham. And maybe I am deluded and maybe it's never going to happen, but I'd rather for now hold out for someone like that and just have one more crack at getting it right uh, with an established name than taking a punt on someone. Yeah, I like the idea of getting a sort of young um, British manager like Scott oh, I Parker. I like the, the the idea of the Cowley brothers. I mean, their their journey in football has been amazing. Um, uh, I do like, oh, you know, Lee Bowyer. I think Charlton have sort of. 
fallen away a little bit recently, but I do like the idea of that um, because I like. I think we need to start looking at West Ham as a project again. I think yeah. we almost need to start stripping it back and saying, look, we haven't achieved. Let's almost wipe the slate clean and start again. So I think if you've got a young manager in, that would give you that a, a chance to build together. Um, you know, Eddie Howe is still technically a young English manager. I know Bournemouth are struggling this year. Um, you could argue he's had a fair bit of money to spend since he's been there, so it's not as big an achievement. But another English manager that's done like gone from the bottom to the top is um Potter at Brighton. Now again, they're in a relegation battle, but again, are Brighton that good? Perhaps naturally they should be in a relegation battle, but he's he's come up from like Swedish lower leagues or something to to where he is now. So I do like that sort of manager that's made it from the bottom to the top. So um yeah, I like romanticising about that. I like romanticising about a young British manager being part of a project, taking us forward for the next 10, 15 years. But in reality, going from a Charlton as Lee Bowyer or going from a Fulham as Scotty Parker and to a club like West Ham where you've got a lot of egos to manage there in the Premier League, which is a lot different to the Championship, I'm just not overly comfortable with it yet. I know what you mean. I mean, I think Frank Lampard was a gamble and he's obviously done... True. I'm not okay. saying it can't work. Mm. Uh, you know, Scotty Parker and Lee Bowyer might go on to be some, two of the best managers in the world. But it, as I sit here talking to you now, they're not managers that excite me as it stands. They're, yeah. they're still cutting their teeth, um, which is why they're in the championship. And good luck to them both. But uh, when, when the time comes, maybe, you know, I'd, I'd look at it again. But I don't know. There's every, every young up-and-coming manager seems to be a gamble. You know, West Ham's a complicated football club to be involved in. And I think you need a lot of experience, strength of character and leadership to, to take a job like West Ham. And as it stands, I, I don't think uh, Bowyer and Parker and the Cowley brothers have experienced that yet. No, very true. And um, this is at Kev Twine. Um, 86. I personally can't stand the squad. So many poor players and disinterested inverted commas stars. My question is speaking completely honestly, even if we manage to stay up, what five or six players would you want to keep? Um, oh, God, I, blimey, I don't know if I'd go as far as five or six. I think mean, that's a struggle. No, I think obviously Rice is the obvious one. You go Rice, you, you'd probably keep Fabianski for the, for the time being. Do you... Yep. That's three. Yeah. For now, for nows maybe because I think he could potentially grow to be an even better player than he is. Um, so f maybe him. Uh, that's four. Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how much time he's got left because he's not getting any younger. But Antonio, I mean, I, I do like Antonio. Yeah, I've yeah, got to say, yeah. I do like Antonio. I, I'd be sad to see him go if he left in the summer. Um, who else is there? Uh, oh, Bowen, obviously. Bowen, I like Bowen. I'd want him kept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love, oh, yeah, Bowen, course, yeah. Yeah, that's an obvious one. Um, that's five. Um, it's bad, isn't it? It's this much of a struggle to really think who you'd want to keep. I'm actually surprised I've named this many, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's probably that's... it, really. I mean, there's some youngsters that I think have a lot of potential. I guess you could say it'd be good to see what happens with Connor Coventry if he can get a chance. It'd be good to see what happens with um, maybe Nathan Holland, Ben Johnson. Um, 
Baptiste, the defender, Chester's the midfielder, you know, maybe someone like that. But yeah, in terms of first team, I guess Ogbonna. Yeah. I'd keep Ogbonna. I mean, I think obviously we've, we've he's missed getting, him. I think. Yeah, yeah I think he's getting he's getting on a bit. He's my hammer of the year this year, Ogbonna. So mm. I guess for that reason, I'd keep him as well. Um, sorry, we've had this question from um, PBM nineteen sixty eight. We've done that about Kevin Nolan. Uh, kind of answered that one as well. Sorry, I'm going through a few of these here. Um, oh, I think this is the last question, so we'll finish on this. At heavy underscore sunshine, do you too, as in me and you, believe that you would do a better job as co-managers of West Ham than Moyes is currently doing? And when can you start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can start immediately. That would be a dream job for me. So, yeah, I'll start tomorrow. To be honest, I think me and X could get a fucking game at West Ham. Is there a guy taking charge? Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm so pissed off with David Moyes. I think anyone could go in there. If you've got passion and you've got man management and you've got a basic understanding of the game, I, I don't see as you could do much worse because he clearly doesn't have the respect to the players. The players don't want to play for him. His in-game management, I mean, we talk about the substitutions that he doesn't make. How many West Ham fans have we seen on social media or at home watching these games, screaming at the telly, put him on, take him off, change it around, mix the formation up, do something different to impact the game. Everyone seems to be saying it other than him. Um, so in all honesty, I, f- I think most people, if you've, if you've got a brain cell in your head and you understand the game and you're passionate and you're good with people, I think a lot of people probably could go in and do a better job, to be quite honest. I think he's fucking rank useless, Moyes. I would love to know as a sort of, I mean, you could, you'd never, ever happen because obviously there's way, way too much at stake, but I would love to know in a hypothetical world, how well. I could actually do as West Ham manager, like or, like or how well us two could do as a, like a manager, because we'd certainly have the passion. I'd li- I'd like to think. Well, ta- uh, listen, uh, one thing I you know I, I don't say this very often, but I did win a treble with Dagmar Redbridge on Football Manager uh, ten years ago, yeah. um, and that included Champions League, Premier League, and uh, an FA Cup, and that's no mean feat, X. You no, know? it isn't. But that was that, that was a lot of time and effort put into building a strategy for the football club, sitting down with the boys, you know, even going for a beer with them. Just go a bit unorthodox, you know. Um, <laughs> well, and this mate, was before I was sectioned, obviously. But... Yeah, I was going to say, mate. I mean, the thing is, your 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 um, press conference involves shaking a door handle in your bedroom, so <laughs> I don't know if that really replicates um, the the true stresses yeah, of a yeah. of a shirt and tie and cup final days. Yeah, exactly, mate. I mean, I'm uh, do you know one thing that lockdown has done, and I and I'm going to sound like I'm bragging now, but it's true. Uh, um, I've actually started up Football Manager 2020, so I'm played it properly for I'd say 10 years maybe but I've actually started playing and so I thought I like to take a team from the lower leagues that were once good and build them up again I think that's the most enjoyable like thing yeah so I, I thought about doing Sunderland but then I thought nah, that's maybe a bit too obvious and I thought geographically and uh, some of my in-laws support this team so I thought I'm going to go with Ipswich right so I took Ipswich up to see. we don't have to move house then either do you no exactly that's, that was part so of the works. thought process yeah. exactly 
exactly, exactly that. I did think that as well. You know, kids can stay in the same school and things like that. So, so, so I, I was Ipswich, took them up to the Premier League, and not gonna lie, struggled a little bit in the Premier League. But that was because I had two straight promotions, and the board, you know, similar story here, didn't really back me as much as they should have when I got promoted. Um, and then randomly got offered the manager job at um, Norway, which um, oh, I, I thought I know, which I sort of did alongside my Ipswich career, uh, mainly because I wanted to work with Haaland, um, which was which was an enjoyable experience. And then because of that, I moved on to Belgium because I did quite well in Norway. Um, and then I thought I can't be manager of Belgium yet be bottom with Ipswich. So in a con- in controversial circumstances, I resigned from Ipswich, just resigned and just concentrated on Belgium for a bit, got them to win the Europa, the Nations League thing. Um, and then Sheffield United randomly were third in the championship looking for a new manager. So I thought, you know, step in, get them promoted. How good is this going to look on my CV? And I've just won the league with Sheffield United. And I've now been shortlisted for a job at Borussia Dortmund. Um, so Blimey. I know. So I'm, I'm weighing up my options at the moment. I don't know if I want to jump ship and go to them just yet or whether have I you, found... Have you sent this to um, David Golden, David Sullivan? Um, not yet, but they I don't know about this as it stands. No, no you, not you, as it stands. I do think I do think there's some potential. I mean, back in 2006, I think it was, or 2005, on the Premier League Fantasy Football website, I finished 232nd out of about 3 million people. Um, so that's another thing to my CV. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's I think, I think electronic football management. Uh, I'm definitely the man for the job. You are, and, and if only you was as good at Premier League. I knew prediction. it. I know where you're going. <laughs> I knew it. I was thinking I've almost got to the end of the show, and then when I said fancy football, I was like, no, no, that's the hook he needs. That's the hook he needs. And there you go, bam, as predicted. Right. So come on, let's get an update then. So since we've been back, we've had a couple of games with West Ham, but a couple of games for everyone. So how have you been getting on? Because I've got to tell you, and I hate to break it to you, um, I can find out where I am very quickly because I'm on page one. Um, uh, I, I, I have to say, mate, I, I feel like I've got arthritis in my fingers after scrolling through all the pages to find you. So, I don't, how are you getting on? Because I'm um, currently 30 second. Well, actually, last week, I think you'll find that I actually got a higher game week score than you. Um, admittedly, it was only 10 points, but I still won the game week. Um, so, effectively, it si- there, mate, no, it? no, it does. Because since we've been back from COVID, it's a whole new ball game. You know, it's, a, it's how you deal with those 11 men on the pitch before you were getting like crowd factors and, you know, international duty affecting things. Now, for me, it's purely based on 11 versus. 11 on a football pitch and last week I, I, I got the, the highest score and um, and uh, I'd, I'd like to think this week I've actually done alright, I mean to be fair, I haven't I, I can't remember what I put, I doubt I would have put Liverpool 4, Crystal Palace 2, uh, Crystal Palace nil. I mean but I think I would have gone 2-0 Liverpool from memory, so I would have got some points I'm pretty right. sure I went for a Wolves win, I'm pretty sure I went for an Everton win, Newcastle Villa, I think I may have got a Newcastle win, I can't remember, and Man United have beaten Sheffield United, and I would have gone for that as well. I think I did put West Ham to draw at Tottenham, annoyingly, but... um, I had a 2-0 defeat. Did you? Yeah. I got 80 points for that. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah, You're so lucky. 
Well, some say luck, some say skill. I suppose it comes down to how much you, you understand the game, really. I mean, um, it comes down to how much you spend um, working from home. Now, obviously, I'm um, I'm a key... man who's fucking done five seasons on football manager. <laughs> no, that that's that's done, that's done um, in the evenings. That's a job. Oh, yeah. it? That, that's a job anyway. That is. Um, but but where I'm like a key worker, I'm putting my health on the line for the nation. Whereas you're sat at home in your pants studying for them yeah, all day, every enough. day. Yeah, yeah all day, right. all day, every day, coming up with the perfect <laughs> predictions, and it's just actually. Yeah, well, it's just just not really fair. I'm actually, I'm actually logging into the website now because um, let's just get it over and done with. How much you've beaten me by this week? Um, so yeah, just I'd be surprised if you've beaten me this week because yeah, no, that's I mean, what that's I'm saying. Right. That's, right. that's what I'm saying. The, the suspense is there, right? I mean, okay. Oh, for fuck's sake. You got 140 points and I got 65. I smashed you, mate, again. Actually, no, you're 42nd, mate. Don't lie. No, no, I'm not, mate. I was previously. That's under the previous column. Under the now column, you'll find I'm 35th. No. Oh, in that league? (laughs) No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that was admittedly that was in the wrong league. I was looking at. I was, I was in, that was in our personal one. Um, wait, wait, where are you? Thirty fifth, did you say? Um, thirty fifth. Page one, mate. You oh yeah, it. yeah, you are thirty fifth. But the, the thing is, really, um, Treaders nineteen ninety. Um, he's in first <laughs> place, and um, occasionally Treaders gives me a message and says, "Come on, X, give me a bit of advice here." Um, well, what do you, what do you think? I should go with, and I say, right, Treaders, I'm going to put my my score on the line to help you. This is what you should go with, and Treaders is smashing it. So yeah. Well, well yeah, done, that, makes, that makes sense. And what a good human being you are for doing that. But one yeah. thing you haven't told us, and you're not getting away with it, is I'm 35th. Where are you? Don't uh, lie either, because I will check. I'm 153rd, which actually out of six, which out of 690 isn't that bad, really. I mean, you're talking top what 25 percent, I think. Wait, what percentage would I be in then at 35? Top 30%. Um. Quite high, but at the end of the day, yeah, if you finish the right. if you finish thirty fifth, or you finish one hundred and fifty third, what trophy are you taking home? <laughs> Nothing. The bragging rights trophy. No, no, no you're which, not. There isn't such is a one. Which is worth more than gold. Which no, is worth more than gold. No, it isn't. At the end of the day, mate, I you owe me more curries. So <laughs> um... yeah, but, no, but we've done a double or nothing, didn't we, on this? So basically, anything that's owed is squashed, and the winner has to buy a year's worth of curries. Whoever comes out top on this uh, competition. Fuck me, a year's worth Make of curries. Tasting. I was going to say, geez, I'm going to need a bloody second mortgage here to feed you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, I think I don't like this game anymore. <laughs> you don't like <laughs> No. Oh, God. I think funny. it's time to, yeah, we'll start, see what, happens ne- see what happens next year, mate. This season's been completely <laughs> affected by COVID, you know, mentally. <laughs> mentally, I don't think I've been ready for all of that's been thrown at me. But next year, I'll come back bigger, better, stronger. And, um, yeah, I'll float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, and boom, it'll be mine. <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of floating like a bean stinging like a butterfly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's it's fair enough, mate. Well, yeah, I, no, listen, I, maybe... I wish you luck. I wish you luck. But but also know this, mate, as a friend, you know, if ever your performance in this competition affects your mental health, you know where I am, mate. You've only got to pick up the phone, you know? Uh, incidentally, did you um back any of your choices, you know, at the bookies or anything? Uh no. Stupid. 
Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, you, it's you, true. You, some you... of them, where I've got right, some of them I've called, and 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 they were good calls as well. And you've got good odds on some of them, so you, you're actually quite right. But you yeah. never know, do you, until you, they actually come in. So yeah, yeah I don't well, know. There you um, go. Anyway, let's let's end this show now. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> on, on that beautiful note. Okay, yeah, so that is the end of the show. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for giving us your questions. Keep your chin up. And until next week, come, come on, you this podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. Bundling home and car insurance with Geico is so easy, your neighbours are probably already doing it. But who... They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.